Heyo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And I am sadly missing uh, Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer, uh, who is in Studio B of our CHGO offices in the West Loop of Chicago. You can follow him at Vinny Duber, and you can read his latest piece up at allchgo.com about our headline for today. Martin Maldonado is reportedly reportedly going to be a White Sox uh, four years for 2024 and then an option in 2025 for four million dollars there Sean four years you just gave him a four-year deal four years yeah oh my bad uh one year at four million dollars and then an option for four million dollars a total of eight million if that option's picked up uh but I don't know if we know the details if it is a player option or not it's a vesting option we don't know what needs to vest but it is a vesting option so I guess I would imagine it's games played or something I mean that's just a total guess we don't know what it is exactly but usually vesting has to do with playing time you know that show that you're going to be able to be healthy enough to uh do what the team that's signing you expects you to do so if if it is playing time related it'd probably be games or or, or innings or at bats who who knows but um according to Mike, mark Feinsand from mlb.com it's a vesting option for 2025 okay all right uh so thank you to uh mark mark Feinsand of uh, mlb.com for that uh report and also uh shout out to james fox who i think uh, had it earlier uh yesterday uh that the white Sox were getting close to the agreement so uh james fox over at future Sox being able to uh, work his uh, sources and be able to uh try to report on this as well um so what do we make of this because i'm not too shocked as we've talked about uh, even with the max stassi move the braves are basically paying the white Sox to try out max stassi uh corey lee has has an option uh, to go back down to the minor leagues. Carlos Perez has an option to go back down to the minor leagues. It seems like Edgar Caro is still, you know, going to need some more seasoning because he's like 12 years old. Um, what, what do we make of the catcher's room now and where it stands? And uh, are you surprised by the Maldonado signing? No, I'm not surprised by the Maldonado signing other than it offers some clarity, I think, that we didn't have before when when Max Stassi came aboard in that trade with the Braves. We were talking about what what he what was he here to do? Was he here to start? Was he here to back up Corey Lee? Was he here to just be a guy who was going to try out for a roster spot? Uh, we had no idea. And at this point, we, we've got some more clarity there. So that's the only thing that maybe was unforeseen. But man, we've been talking about Martin Maldonado as a pretty obvious fit for this White Sox team for, for a few weeks and, and maybe even a couple months at this point um he's a guy who has some history with Pedro Grafol in Kansas City very briefly played for the Royals uh he's a guy who is that veteran defense first catcher that they've been talking about wanting this offseason uh you know the the offensive numbers are not pretty and I guess if you want to uh spin that positively it would be man that goes to show you that he must be doing something right on the defensive end uh the metrics not so great in 2023 but this is a guy who's got a fantastic reputation for working with the pitching staff you know People are going to uh, probably uh, roll their eyes or crow about his uh, his age moving toward 40 years old there. Just goes to show you that he's been doing it and been around for a while. Uh, and then, of course, he was with the Astros. Uh, it, it's a, uh, a real, you know, history of winning that they've got there going on now. I think he's been a part of six consecutive postseason teams. Obviously, the team that won the World Series a couple years back. 
it, it really makes sense for everything that the White Sox were looking for from a veteran catcher. And given that status that Maldonado has, again, the offensive numbers are not good. I'm not sitting here telling you that, boy, he's he's got a spot locked up because he's going to, you know, uh, knock the ball all over the yard. But with Corey Lee's minimal experience and with Max Stassi just kind of being that, you know, who knows what he's here to do. I think it's safe to say that if the season started today, Maldonado is this team's number one catcher uh, pretty easily. Just look at the pitching staff and all the question marks that we have. This is a guy who can help get you some answers uh, and maybe not you know, resoundingly, you know, he's not the guy throwing the pitches, obviously, but this is a guy with a history of working and working very well with pitching staffs. If you've got questions, and boy, you should, about what this White Sox pitching staff is going to look like in 2024, Martin Maldonado into the mix should give you the slightest bit more confidence that some things could work out for the better for that team. Well, and look at his salary, too. I mean, I, right now, the Sox payroll, uh, according to Sox Machine Josh, uh, $130 million. Uh, Maldonado uh, is you know, one of the very few players uh, who are even over that 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 mark. Uh, so, I mean, he's going to just play on that alone. Um, I also don't know how to read. Um, I said I thought that Moncada and Aloy uh, were the only players that made more than the buyout money. Uh my guy Benintendi as well, so uh, I forgot about him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Maldonado's not super surprising. It wasn't like a s- consistent straight run for him too in Houston because he was there in 2018 uh, and then signed with Kansas City uh, in the offseason and then was traded to the Cubs for four games. And then they were like, oh, wait, we're not actually contenders. Let's just send him to Houston. Uh, and then they kept him around and didn't let him go uh, from 2019 to 2023. And the one thing, too, is it's more about the game calling. Uh, I forget which Astros pitcher said it, uh, but I saw the clip uh, and it's, you know, you can he was describing the team flight uh, and it would just be lights out. Everyone's sleeping except for one light that's on and it's Maldonado and he's got his laptop open. He's got his notebook right there and he's looking over how to attack players when guys are on, when they're, when they're not on uh, just basically game planning. Uh, And that's the biggest thing that he's going to bring Uh, a veteran uh, way to work and a veteran way to game plan. So hopefully the white Sox, who we always thought, you know, man, they just really keep going up there and keep swinging at everything. Uh, maybe they finally do have a game plan or maybe the pitchers feel a little bit more uh, locked in with uh, the confidence to attack the zone. Like Chris Getz has said, the reason why they're focusing so much on defense this year is to allow the pitchers to actually attack the zone. We think of Michael Kopech and Dylan Cease and their walk issues, right? What if they were just finally allowed to attack the zone? maybe Maldonado can bring some level of comfort to those type of players where, you know, hey, Maldonado is going to prep me and know, uh, have everything in, in, in its right place, uh, to quote Radiohead, um, uh, for, for my start. And I know that he's not the most athletic. Um, he's not going to be the best at, I think, controlling the the run game. Um, no, actually, I'm sorry. Uh, at least according to StatCast, his blocks above average uh, is 75 percentile. Uh, his caught stealing above average is the 71st percentile. And the pop time, uh, even though he's, what, 37, uh, 70th percentile for catchers. Uh, not a great framer. Um, but again, I, I think you're going to have professionalism, which is which is good. You know, I mean, that's what I guess we look in 2019 when he was signed by the Royals uh, after his stint with the Astros. You know, it, it was he was probably brought in for the same idea. Like, hey, let's go bring in a solid professional backup catcher behind Selby. Yeah, I mean, make no mistake. The White Sox are better with Martin Maldonado than they were before. You know, I mean, this is a guy who has 
again, just a really positive impact on a pitching staff. Uh, you know, I, I keep going back. I've brought it up a couple of times on the show, but I looked it up last night just to make sure I wasn't imagining it. And after the Astros knocked the Twins out of the playoffs, uh, you know, just a couple months back, you had Carlos Correa, who obviously knows what Martin Maldonado can do from their time shared in Houston, being asked, what happened here? You guys were hitting well, and then Astros came in and shut you down. What were they able to do? And he pointed at one guy. He pointed at Maldonado and said, he knows every hitter in and out. He knows exactly what weaknesses a pitching staff should be attacking. He's trying to exploit everything that he can. I mean, that's that's the job, right? And I mean, that's that's what you want from a catcher, not only somebody who just does that but somebody who does it so well that the opposing team is noticing and helpless to really uh, uh, to do something about it um, it's a guy who should be of great value to Brian Bannister to Ethan Katz to all these pitchers that really are you know I mean you call them reclamation if you want you can call them just plain projects but whether it's Michael Kopech whether it's um, you know, Michael Soroka, whether it's a young guy like Jared Schuster who doesn't have a ton of experience, whether it's Eric Fetty who's coming over here and trying to replicate what he did in Korea at a major league level where he hasn't had much success, you've got a guy there that's going to be able to create a comfort zone. You, you mentioned that anecdote of, of him sitting on the plane and it brought to my memory the same thing that I heard a few years ago about who? James McCann. If there are White Sox fans who miss James McCann's presence as the guy working with the pitchers, obviously he, you know, caught Lucas Giolito's no hitter. He's got uh, uh, a place in White Sox fans' memories for that game and for that specific pitcher. But if you miss what he was able to do as a catcher, game calling, game prep, working with the pitchers, you got a guy who's got some attributes now um, that, that, that McCann shared or that McCann was at least talked about having at that time. So, this is a team, as you very well mentioned, a team that's been looking to improve defensively, to improve in the fundamental areas. Listen, he hit a buck eighty over the last three years. This is not a guy who's coming in and going to help them score runs. And we're going to get to probably what is becoming a trend for Chris Getz this year in terms of his uh, acquisitions this offseason. But everything else that the White Sox said they wanted to improve with, they're getting it with uh, Maldonado. I'll make one more comment about the uh, defensive metrics. Those things, as we've talked about, are are they can change wildly. And just because a guy has a bad year one year doesn't mean that that's going to be perfectly replicated the next year, for better or worse, right? I mean, uh, but but those numbers from stat to stat in within the same season can be inscrutable at times. So I, I think that putting too much stock into that is not the greatest thing. This is a guy who's had a reputation of being a good presence behind home plate. And I think that that is probably what the White Sox are looking at more than the one metric or the, or the group of metrics from just one season. Yeah. As B flip brings up, uh, he had a really bad framing year last year, uh, but it really does seem like he kind of hit a floor two with framing. Uh, you look from 2015 to 2018, he was consistently at like a three level uh, framing run value war. Uh, at one year, he hit 20 in 2017. So that's cool. Um, but he's fallen off and he's been pretty consistent from anywhere from negative two to like one. Um, he's he's going to be fine, right? Like, I, I don't think he's going to lose them games of framing. Plus, with what the their pitching staff has, they're mostly looking for ground balls or swing and miss. 
They're not really looking for, let's paint the corners. They're trying to say, hey, Dylan, you have disgusting stuff. Throw it to a point where it's just going to miss the barrel or miss the bat. Um, that's going to be the main goal. And I don't know how much framing is going to truly matter for the White Sox. So as long as he's at zero, I don't care. Um, but you brought up his average. You didn't bring up how many homers he hit from 2021 to 2023. How many homers has he hit since 2021? He's got 42 home runs over the last three <laughs> years, which is not nothing, uh, particularly for a White Sox team that the last two years have seen the power numbers be a problem. Uh, you know, if you're getting that from the catcher position, maybe not the worst thing. The main thing that you really would have to uh, do is a comparison. Uh, 42 home runs in the last three seasons, more than the 37 that Yuan Moncada hit in the last three seasons, and just about the same as the 44 home runs that Aloy Jimenez hit in the last three seasons. That probably says more about those two guys than it does about Martin Maldonado, but it ain't nothing. Yeah, hey, it just shows that Martin Maldonado can uh, show up and play, uh, right? I mean, you're not really worried. He's played over 100 games uh, over the past three years. He's, he's shown just, again, a, a level of professionalism uh, that and consistency, too, where I, obviously Grandal had a higher ceiling than Maldonado offensively, and we saw that in 2022, but he only played 93 games that year um he never hit that that 100 year or 100 game mark i think unless he did in 2021 um so at least maldonado he might not give you those wow moments um but my one concern too you bring up the power um i thought a lot of it was crawford box shots uh but at least Statcast says uh compared houston to guaranteed rate last year for expected home runs uh 17 for both park so uh, his power, at least at his home park, might not be adjusted too much as long as he you know, still has that same strength uh, and ability to knock balls over the fence. So uh, we'll continue the Maldonado discussion. Uh, I don't know if this also is the worst thing for Corey Lee, even though he might not be on the major league roster. We'll talk about that. But we want to take a quick break. I want to let you know about our friends over at Midtown Athletic Club. I'm feeling sick. So the last thing I want to do right now is work out. But you can if you're feeling healthy or maybe you're looking to uh, change things at the new year. I think they call them resolutions. And you can go check out their four Chicagoland locations, Midtown Athletic Club in Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and the Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. You can see it right off 9094, right down Elston. Uh, and they have a, a lovely parking garage, too, uh, which is easy just to, you know, uh, park in there i think you have free hours to uh free two-hour parking uh so go take a tour um it is the nicest fitness club i've ever been to uh their tennis uh program is extremely impressive their courts are uh, is so expansive and it seems like they have like a hundred uh, actual tennis courts uh they have a basketball uh, facility that i'm very excited to check out uh they have a uh, olympic size pool indoors uh they have steam rooms saunas massage rooms uh and they have many different levels of working out whether you like yoga boxing spin and cycling cross training group exercises uh just classic machines uh midtown has you covered so head over to midtown.com slash chgo to find out more and to tour the midtown athletic club nearest you uh, again there is uh, i don't think a better gym out there so if you are looking to change stuff for the new year's uh go check out our friends over at midtown athletic club and they'll get you set up right so you can accomplish all of those goals we also want to let you know about our friends over 
at prize picks. Uh, no football game tonight, but there will be a Thursday night game tomorrow. So download prize picks. Uh, it's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of batting th- battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in and there's also nba tonight so you can also do prize picks for the nba i like uh orlando and uh philadelphia tonight tyrese maxi will probably have to have a big game tonight with joel Embiid out uh and paulo bancaro probably trying to make a statement uh for his orlando magic or fourth in the eastern conference that maybe they're a player so uh, i like those two players maybe to hit their overs uh but it's a very fun way uh you can uh, 25 times your money uh, this basketball season. If you select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats and place your entry. Uh, and uh, it's really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. So go to prizepicks.com CHGO and use code CHGO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com CHGO and use code CHGO. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Uh, I have a very foggy brain, uh, so I think I did those ad reads correctly. Uh, uh, Vinny, yes. what does this mean for Corey Lee? Uh, you wrote on allchgo.com the quote that Corey Lee had about working with Martin Maldonado and what he learned from Maldi. I don't know if this is the worst thing, uh, right? I mean, he gets to work with someone he's comfortable with this spring training. He has an option, so I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if he goes down. Um, what, what does this mean for Corey Lee? Is it just... You know, Maldonado is obviously going to be on the opening day roster and he's fighting for a spot with Stassi um, and he has a, a familiar face in that locker room to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, I mean, I think you laid it out pretty well there. I, I think there's probably little risk in making dedicating one of those spots to Maldonado. Again, as the season begins, he'd probably be the number one catcher on this team just because of the experience, because of the dependability and all the positive things that he can do working with the pitching staff. That's not to say, though, that Corey Lee couldn't show some of the offensive uh, capability that he was talked about having when this team acquired him, and obviously but back when the Astros had him, um, and end up flipping that around if he has a nice year. But again, too, it's just all mystery. And so I think anything can happen. I think you'll see in the spring, if, if they don't, if they stop adding catchers, that is, you'll see in the spring, Corey Lee and Max Stassi probably battling for the other job on the opening day roster. I mean, and it really depends because you say there's there's such low risk with not picking either guy, right? If, if, if Corey Lee doesn't win that job, he just goes down to AAA and, and keeps playing down there, uh, and they still have him. If Max Stassi doesn't win that job, the Braves paid all that money, and he's just on the team as, as an insurance policy, it would seem. So, um, and remember, Max Stassi didn't play last year at all in Major League Baseball. So, uh, you know, he's not necessarily... Um, uh, has maybe the head and shoulders lead you would imagine of a guy who's been a veteran for so long versus a guy who's barely played. Uh, I think they would like Corey Lee to to be able to be around. They were impressed with him at the end of the year with what he was able to do behind the plate. Obviously, we've talked about White Sox fans noticed that the offense was not quite there uh, to say the least. He only had five hits in 24 games playing there in September. Uh so really, yeah, I think the catching situation looks like that. I think the White Sox got what they wanted, not just in Maldonado, but also in Stassi and some guys who can be depended on and counted on to provide 
a better presence behind the plate than they had. I mean, listen, you mentioned it, but the injuries to Yasmani Grandal over the last three years of that contract made it so they weren't getting what they thought they were going to get in terms of somebody being behind the plate and being a solid catcher. I mean, he wasn't, he just wasn't able to be effective because of the health, let alone the other issues that he was dealing with in terms of his game and where, how that was evolving, but uh, chiefly because of the injuries. So I think come the spring, we'll see Lee and Stassi battling for that number two job, but expect anything to be able to happen over the course of the year. Remember, they got Corey Lee was a a decently ranked prospect in the Astros system, a little lower in others because there were some other players there that that are able to be above him. But He's not somebody to necessarily be counted out completely at this point, and I think he'll get a chance uh, to continue to impress the coaching staff with what he's able to do behind the plate. Now he's just got to impress with what he does at the plate also. Uh, yeah, and Corey Lee, too, just uh, we brought up Maldonado's framing. Uh, Corey Lee is graded out as a negative framer over the past two years. Um, and Corey Lee hit Baseball America's 70th ranking uh, pre-2022. Um, and you look at those two seasons in 2021 as a 22-year-old, 88 games, had a slash line of 277, 340, 438, an OPS of 778. And then in 2022 uh, in AAA uh, with a basically four-year age difference at 100 four games 238 uh, slash line 307 on base 483 slug uh in a 790 ops with 25 homers and then he did really just fall off in 2023 in 82 games uh this is in uh sugarland and charlotte in triple a uh not including his five hits in chicago uh 82 games 278 slash 325 on base 386 slug 711 OPS so the slug wasn't there uh this year but I mean he he has shown it in the past maybe it was just a bad year and maybe I think it's a fair thing to maybe not put the pressure on him to be the opening day starter or to be on the opening day roster Max Stassi has had that pressure before Martin Maldonado has had that pressure before Corey Lee can go work on his hitting uh, and maybe tear up Charlotte and feel a little bit you know better and if the White Sox need uh, a catcher at some point Corey Lee can come up and fill that spot yeah I mean when you're talking about you know being the number one guy there was a chance you know that that he might go into Mm -hmm. spring with the with with that on his plate he definitely doesn't have to worry about being that now he could end up being that guy if he if he plays well enough certainly but he doesn't have to worry about that and I think that's a good point that you make there even the even the difference between hey all you got to do is be the backup you know what I mean? Even if it is, we expect you to be good enough to be on the major league roster. If you don't, that's fine, and they'll continue the development. But just being able to be the number two catcher on a big league team on opening day is a lot less pressure than, hey, you got to go catch whoever the opening day starter is going to be. I was going to say Dylan Cease, but he might yeah. get traded, so we'll see. <laughs> Dylan Cease, unless something happens. Dylan Cease or a- Eric Fetty. There you go. <laughs> Or Mike, hey, maybe it's Michael Kopech. Uh, maybe, maybe they've they've had a, a really uh, resurgent spring training. I'm just hoping for it. We need something to watch. And Michael Kopech, I think, is our only hope, uh, glimmer of, of something maybe to to sparkle in 2024. Uh, we only have 24 likes so far with 70 people watching. Uh, we would uh, appreciate if you guys hit that thumbs up button. Uh, it'd be very, very helpful. Uh, we got a little bit more Maldonado talk after the break, but uh, I think next is what what position do you think they fill uh i guess we do have a little bit of uh, a rumor uh that maybe it's the bullpen 
So uh, we'll talk about that after the break. We want to let you know about the importance of switching to electric vehicles. Maybe you're a business owner. Maybe you just have a home, but it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. Sean, you're so right. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. That's that's a good band name, Electric Tomorrow. I like Electric Tomorrow. I'm I'm considering trademarking that. Uh, What's your shirt? What's that? Alabama Audubon. Yes. Audubon. Protect the birds. Is Um, that a band? No, it's, it's it's birds. I mean, birds can be a band. Well, they were the band the birds Geese and goose oh and the birds yeah but they spelled it weird they put spelled it with a y that's not they how birds did. are spelled well but it sounds the same whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks comed can help guide you to make the changes that make sense so what should business owners do vin you know, that's a great question. Thankfully, I have the answer. They should go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, yes, you, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles because they are good for business, good for the planet, and good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. It's electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie. Did you say comed.com slash clean, Vin? Sean, obviously the volume is appropriately loud in your headphones because that's exactly what i said go now and see how electric connects us to a better way of doing business and to a better future for generations to come uh vinnie do you know what makes everyone's future better what's that beer ha boy you're right you know just a little while ago, as I've mentioned before, uh, I was over at the Goose Island uh, Tap Room here on Fulton Street in West Town, and I had a honkingly good time, Sean, as Sarah scrambles to find the honk sound a- effect. <laughs> there it is. Uh, all you got to do is go over there, and you can get your hands on any of the wonderful beer roster. Yeah, they got the ones you can get over at the Jewels. They got the 312. They got the full pocket pills, the favorite of the non-Milwaukee brewers, and uh, they've got that beer hug series, which Herb is always partaking in. Uh, you know, uh, Christmas is over, but I'm sure you can still get a Christmas IPA if you'd like, but go down to the tap room over on Fulton Street. Get yourself uh, some brewery exclusive beers over there. You you could sample to your heart's content. You could be there all day. Uh, I had the Polar Peel uh, Winter Wit Ooh. when I was over there. It has a little bit of ginger in it as well. Oh, very delicious. Uh, so I, I would recommend that one. But of course, Goose Island, Chicago's beer since 1988. They're big uh, supporters of us here at CHGO, and we couldn't thank them enough. So go ahead and support them. Go ahead and have yourself a honkingly good time. Thank you, Sarah, for finding that that sound effect. That that, that made it very, very important. I think we have a super chat uh, from our guy, Ellie. Uh, So hmm, let me, because I think he uh, added an addendum. Uh, Does, do think Getz is trying to be like Rays because Jerry doesn't spend? Do we think Getz is trying to be like the Rays because Jerry won't let him spend? Um, I think that's a, I think, I think that's a, a, a good uh, lead in to some of the other things we did want to talk about after this latest signing. I mean, listen, the, uh, Chris Getz has been among the busiest, uh, uh, the most active baseball operations bosses here in the sport because the the, the free agent market and, and really trades as well have been so quiet uh, so far this winter. But, I mean, you can't help but notice the low cost of a lot of these guys. The, the salaries have been low, and I think that doesn't 
it, it might not be the mandate. Obviously, they're not done, right? We haven't heard that they're operating with a certain number. They still have holes to, to fill. There Maybe there is a, a, a big spending item coming, but from what we've seen so far, that hasn't been the case. And I think that it does nothing to change the narrative that Ellie and a lot of other Sox fans are feeling right now, that there has to be this huge decrease in spending because of perhaps what happened with uh, the attendance last year, but obviously 101 lost team. Is this a rebuild question mark? It sure looks like it. These moves all really point to it. Um, even if the White Sox brass doesn't want to use that term, but here we go again with Maldonado. And I brought up the offense, Maldonado, DeYoung, Lopez, Stassi, these are all guys who, yes, they accomplished the goal of making the team better defensively. Yes, they accomplished the goal of being better than the nothing that was there before or the unreliable young prospect types that you might have seen there before. But man, they have done nothing. The, these moves do nothing to improve this lineup. And these moves do nothing to improve the chances of this team competing for an AL Central title in 2024. So if you don't want to call it a rebuild, that's fine. But be upfront about the fact that the moves you're making, at least to this point, this could change as the as the offseason goes along, are not helpful in terms of competing right away. This is a team that lost 101 games, and they have not been made into anything with these moves that looks significantly better than that. Now, that doesn't mean anything for 2025, right? They could be, they could have prospects make their way along the way they want it, want them to. They could go, they could have their eyes on certain free agent targets an off season from now. But the moves that they have made right now uh, are look like nothing more than placeholders. And listen, I, I think that the the positives of Maldonado, which we talked about earlier, are positives and could have an, a, a very positive impact over the long term with some of these pitchers, right? He could teach these pitchers how to work in a way that's going to help the White Sox in 25, 26, 27. He could teach Corey Lee how to be the next Martin Maldonado, who knows, and and, and a, a catcher that really knows how to work with pitching staffs. But in terms of the moves that Chris Getz has made to add to this roster, remember how many holes there were, and he need, needed to and still needs to fill a lot of them. I've seen low-cost guys who aren't going to make much of an impact in terms of scoring runs and in terms of getting this team to higher in the standings than it was a year ago. I, yes. I The Maldonado one, I think, is less egregious because comparing him versus Grandal... Maldonado's had a higher ISO than Grandal over the past three years. So even with Grandal being Barry Bonds like in 2022, you take the whole 2021 to 2023, Maldonado was at least a, a more consistent slugger at the catcher spot. Um, we know you're really, you're really, you're really grasping for up. straws though here, aren't you, Sean? Well, the catcher position sucks. But it's you, not the guy, Perez. the guy hit a buck 80, Sean. He hit a buck 80. He's not getting. He's not. He gets on base at a two sixty clip over the last three years. He's not going to be out there to score in, to score many runs. And listen, yeah, but, is that better than? Are. But is come on, you guys should be able to hit two hundred. The guy should be able to get on base three out of ten times. Like this is. It's just. It. It is. It is a. I think this. I think this signing makes him better. Yeah, I, I do. But man, that's a low bar to clear because because Yasmani Grandal the last two years didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. And so in terms of, of production offensively, and so to say they're better than nothing, yeah, sure, true. But are they are they good enough to, to, to win a bunch of games? Are they good enough to score a bunch of runs? I mean, the offense 
with the exception of Luis Robert Jr., the offense was just as big a problem last year as that defense was, right? And so I'm not saying that we should have expected Chris Getz to go out and build a team that's going to beat the Twins for the AL Central title. But it if, if you're going to push back against the idea that this team is in rebuilding mode, that you don't know whether they're going to be able to be competitive or not in 2024, nothing that has happened so far would lead me to believe that it was going to be anything but a perhaps brief, but rebuild, right? Yeah, it, well, it's a revamp. No one wants to use the word uh, because rebuild's too ugly, uh, but it's a revamping. Uh, because I, I think the offensive gains are hoping that the guy you're paying $24 million, $17.1 million, $13.8 million, and $12 million show up and actually produce the offense. Obviously, one of them did. It's the guy that's making $12 million and Luis Robert Jr. He showed up and did that in 2023. But Aloy, who's getting out homered by Martin Maldonado, are close to it. Yohan Mancata, who is getting out homered by Martin Maldonado. Uh, Andrew Benatendi, who I think is getting out homered by Herb. Um, it, it, they need to step up. And and those were the big you know offseason additions. And that's why I know that I've brought the Benintendi point up a lot, but that was, I think one of the biggest missteps in this entire stretch from 2016 to 2022, because for the next five years, you are paying a guy who sucks. I mean, just really doesn't provide any pop, uh, led the team in on base percentage, but what it was like under 330 still, it, it was just a really brutal, uh, effort for everyone in 2022. So I think they're really just hoping that the guys that they have paid are bouncing back story of our life uh, in 2024, at least offensively, because we can see the shortstop move is for defense. The second base move, at least so far with Lopez, is for defense. The move for Maldonado at, at catcher is for defense. So the, it does seem that, you know, they're surrounding who are supposed to be the hitters with defense. But Sean, that's half the lineup. It's half the lineup. And so well, you're, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right in that they've made it very clear now with the moves that they've made that the idea is you bring in a new hitting coach or you just have better health or you have just it be a brand new brand new year, baby new years coming, coming next week. Uh, and Aloy and Moncada and Vaughn and Benintendi will be back to what they're supposed to be or for the first time what they're supposed to be in some of those cases. Uh, but... That was, the, like you said, that's been the story the last three years. And so uh, I don't think anybody is expecting them at this point to to go win big in 2024, to be at the top of the division in 2024. But, I mean, you've got – another thing I keep saying is if you're building for 2025, you're allowed to make moves for 2025 now. And, and so to, for it all to be – placeholders with with a low price tag what does that do to make you better in 2025 other than it allows you to wait for edgar caro it allows you to wait for colson montgomery yeah those guys aren't ready yet and that's fine you you do need placeholders in those situations um right field is still not filled right and so maybe that is the area because there is no young player there to point to and say that guy's coming here he comes you just need a placeholder maybe right field does change this whole uh you know theme that we've seen from chris gets throughout the offseason but we're seeing a lot of eh maybe they'll be okay but if they aren't who cares at some point they've got to have guys who can hit the ball and who can score runs because right now if we get 
if, if we see, rather, another disappointing season from Aloy, another disappointing season from Yohan Moncada, another disappointing season from Andrew Vaughn and Andrew Benintendi, then, then what, what, in what, what did you do in 2024 other than, you know, sit there and say, you go, Colson Montgomery, to make this team able to compete in 25 or beyond? Um, you brought up right field. Do you think right field is the biggest hole, or do you think they're probably going to address second base first? Well, right field is certainly a bigger hole than second base. They have a guy who could play a major league caliber second base, at least in terms of defense right now. If Nicky Lopez is their everyday second baseman, I don't think the White Sox would be terribly upset with that. They'd get a guy who plays really good defense, which is what they're looking for, right? I mean, how how would uh, Nicky Lopez, uh, as your everyday second baseman, be dramatically different from an from a defense first, offense second standpoint than Paul DeYoung is your everyday shortstop or Martin Maldonado is your everyday or is your number one rather catcher. Uh, right field, they don't have anybody. If, if the season started today, it would be Gavin Sheets again, who is not a, a natural right fielder um, for all the, you know, pat on the back that he deserves for running out there every day and trying to trying to do that. Uh, so yes, they need a right fielder. And I uh, am completely expecting them to go out and get one because again, improving defensively, if that is the number one priority of the offseason, certainly Chris Getz has shown that that's what, that's what it has been for him so far, then they need to get somebody who can play defense in right field because the guy they have right now is, is, not, is not the answer defensively. Right. Um, real quick, uh, I, I brought up, Mancata needing to hit, Benny needing to hit, Aloy needing to hit. Um, I was just bringing up the guys that make more than the buyout and dead money that they have in 2024. Uh, so I didn't bring up Andrew Vaughn, but Andrew Vaughn, it would be nice to see him hit. Hey, if he hits 30 home runs, I'm not going to be upset. Um, also, I, I, I asked Sarah if we have a, a horn sound effect. Uh, it's just the DJ air horn. Isaiah Kaina Falefa signs with the Toronto Blue Jays. Wow. Whit Merrifield needs a new home. Wow. If that's the sound effect we're doing for IKF going to the Blue Jays? Mercy. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Well, no, it's, it's, it's the sound of Whit Merrifield coming to Chicago. That's what that sound is. The, the DJ Airhorn, Whit Merrifield coming to Chicago. I mean, because I mean, he can play second base or right field. It's perfect, Vinny. And he, he knows can. I mean, ball. that is a, apparently a requirement uh, with the Maldi signing uh, with with most of these guys that they're bringing in the Nicky Lopez uh, acquisition. Uh, you need to know uh, or have some uh, basis of Royals baseball in your blood. It's not a requirement. To, yes, the jokes are going to keep coming and fine, but uh, it's not a requirement. But I, here's the thing. When you look at fit, right? I mean, I'll, I will make the I will make the devil's advocate argument for all of this Royals business, which is everybody got real mad last year at Pedro Grafol when he walked into the clubhouse and made the decision that he was going to let the guys do their own thing and he was going to trust that these that group of players could could handle it and 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 turn things around from 81 and 81, which was the previous uh, high watermark of massive disappointment, right? And that really didn't work. And so everybody's really mad at Pedro Grafol. Well, now he now the White Sox are taking the the tack of, you know, let's get some more folks in here who know what Pedro wants, who know what Chris Getz wants, who know what the White Sox are trying to do in terms of a new identity that hasn't existed for the last three years in, in Chris Getz's opinion. Uh, a, a new um, way to play the game, the, the, the so-called so, so right way to play the game, uh, at least in the eyes of the guys who are trying to remake this organization. And so... 
if they can go out and find guys that they know are going to have that identity, that are going to help build uh, exactly what they envision, why not? Because apparently the alternative is just going out and getting another low-cost guy who's not going to be here in two years anyway. So go ahead and bring in some guys who can at least help you lay a somewhat of a foundation. Um, you know, that's the devil's advocate argument. But, you know, I'll go back to the fact that all those guys aren't, aren't, don't have very good offensive numbers and don't seem to be able to help this team score any runs. Right. And I, I guess with where they we've talked about their lack of propensity to spend money this year uh, with Maldonado only reaching four million, it doesn't seem like they're going to be offering a player over 10 million. And those are the guys that uh, usually hit home runs and drive in runs uh, are the guys that make money uh, and make over 10 million dollars. So uh, if you're hoping for Teoscar Hernandez, I think he's too rich for our White Sox blood. Um, maybe Adam Duvall. He's 35. Maybe. Um, he didn't play with Pedro Grafaldo, so we might have to take him off the list. Uh, real quick, I did want to address Christian, uh, who said, uh, if you put Chicken Tendy's contract, which is a horrible nickname, uh, on a contending team, uh, no one would be saying what Sean is saying. Uh, the problem is that the White Sox just don't pay market value. Uh, what? We, we figured out the White Sox, that's the seventh uh, lowest free agent contract for a team for one organization uh there's several teams that are under that 75 million mark um for a free for their largest free agent contract uh but no i i think if you put Andrew Benintendi on a contending team, they would want to run him out on a rail. Um, and especially now that he's making what double what he made in 2023. Uh I I don't really understand that just because I, who would want him playing left field? He can't hit for power. He can't get on base uh, at a, an above average level. He had an 87 weighted runs created plus and was a pretty below average fielder. Um, it, it sucks that the White Sox have offered him the largest contract in free agent history. Uh, but you look at the Mets and they offered Kota Senga the same same contract, five years, 75 million. Would you rather have Senga or would you rather have Andrew Benatendi? All right. Uh, drink. Drink. Uh, and then finally, we have one more super chat from uh, Ellie uh, who said, how many... Uh, top 100 prospects will the Sox have in next year's rankings? I'm not sure if that means for, for 2024. Uh, so Colson eater, Brian Ramos, no Schultz. Those two guys are, you think those Carol? second and third guys are both top 100 prospects. Uh, isn't Schultz already Schultz is currently. So I, th I think currently they have two Montgomery. Jake and Schultz. Was. was he top 100? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, was I mean, he? but, now you're, I mean, now you have me second guessing myself. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't think so, but I don't remember mm. for sure. I, I know that Mo Montgomery and Schultz are, but I might be having pre-trade deadline bias. I know, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but I'll say this: you'd think maybe Nick Nestrini could find his way uh, that way. Um, and then here's the, but here's the main, the, the main answer to that question is we got to wait and see what happens with Dylan Cease because you would think that if Dylan Cease gets traded, they're going to bring back at least one. Uh, if not multiple guys who are ranked pretty highly. You saw what the reported uh, starting point was for the White Sox when they were talking to the Cincinnati Reds. That was three top 100 prospects. Who knows if that's where it ends? Who knows if Dylan Cease even gets traded this offseason? But we do have to wait and see what happens with Dylan Cease because that is a way, boosting the number of top 100 prospects to really boost the chances over the long term. We're if we're talking about 25, 26, 27, and, and beyond – the best way to put yourself in the best position for that is to acquire more talent. And right now, Dylan Cease is the best way that they can acquire that existing talent from other teams. 
according to MLB.com, Montgomery, Schultz, and Caro were the top oh, 100 Caro. prospects for yes. the uh, Sox. Uh, yes. According to Fangraphs, they have Ramos at 60, Eater at 62, and obviously this is pre-2023, uh, Colson at 35, um, and then I do believe, uh, I don't think Nostrini made it. Uh, yeah, Nostrini didn't make it to their list. Who was the other guy I was thinking of, though? Um, was it Jordan Leisure? I don't think Jordan Leisure. No, I don't, I don't think it's Jordan Was it Kai Leisure. Bush? No, I don't think it's Kai Bush. This is bad radio. All right. Uh, we, we can move on. How about that? Uh, some. The answer is some, Ellie. There you go. I think, I think four. And you're right if they do uh, end up uh, moving uh, Dylan Cease. They'll have more than four. Uh, all right. I think that's mainly it. Uh, I'm, I'm out sure what else to address the catcher obviously uh finally locked down or it seems for the 2024 season with martin maldonado and maybe max stassi and Corey lee as the backup uh it seems like second base and right field will still be an area that the white Sox address and we've brought up uh you know that starting pitching has always been a need for for the Sox, and gets brought that up at the winter meetings yeah i mean here's the thing we we, we talked so much at the, in the final months of the of the regular season and certainly since the offseason began about exactly how much work needed to be done to this roster to just make it a roster. And, and I think uh, Chris Getz has certainly done a lot of that, but it's not finished. And starting pitching is going to remain a priority for them just because of how many question marks there are in that rotation, in that potential rotation, to go ahead and, and throw as much at the wall as they possibly can find. What they need right now, they need a lot of bullpen help because they don't have many people out there at all. You, They've got – Gregory Santos is expected to be ready to make the opening day roster from a health standpoint. Garrett Crochet should provide some some assistance there. But then you're then you're dropping down to what? Guys like Jimmy – or guys like Jimmy Lambert, guys like Tanner Banks, guys who, you know, maybe aren't uh, uh, locks, so to speak. Tanner Banks was fine last year. But, you know, they need some help and they need some dependability because – What's one sure way to make life an awful lot harder on your starting pitchers? That's to not have much of a bullpen behind them. And so when you've got guys that you don't even know how long they're going to go in games, all of a sudden now you don't know if you can count on the guys that you're calling in out of the out of the bullpen. That makes life really hard for Pedro Grafol, but it makes life really hard for the pitching staff in general. It, it, it is a symbiotic relationship, so to speak, between the rotation and the bullpen. And if they want some of these guys in the starting rotation to develop into reliable starters, they got to have some bullpen help. Just like if they want the bullpen to not be overworked and find some guys who can be part of the bullpen and part of the relief core moving forward, they got to get some of these starters to turn in some innings. So uh, pitching, pitching, pitching is going to remain a priority for this team as it very well should, not just until they report uh, in the middle of February, but well until uh, the season begins at the end of March. Yeah, and uh, James Fox of Future Sox reporting uh, that the Sox are close to an agreement with an unknown lefty reliever as well. So at least uh, to, to your point uh, on addressing the bullpen need, it seems like there is a mystery lefty uh, who could possibly join the White Sox. Do you want to play? Who can it be now, Vinny? No, that, we'll be here all day. We'll be here all day. But I can do this sound effect. and it'd be Sure. Great. Well, you did. So, you just did. Okay. Well, <laughs> shout out Men at Work. Uh, John Becker of Fangraphs put out the list of available lefty uh, free agents. Uh, he said it probably won't be Hater, and I agree on that. Uh, Araldus does have the Pedro connection uh, for Kansas City, so I don't know if Araldus Chapman. That's would be, not uh, true, right? He was just on the Royals last year, I believe. 
Oh, well, then I'm done. Was he there before last year? I think he was just last year, right? Let me check. Because that's who traded him to the Rangers. And then he ended up winning the World Series. Yeah, 2023. So I'm wrong. Yeah, he was with the uh, the, the Yankees in 2022. Um, so yeah, probably not Chapman then. Uh, and then they did burn the Deakman Bridge because he looked fantastic after he left the White Sox. So I doubt he probably wants to run that back. Uh, but there's Matt Moore, who I've always wanted on the White Sox in the 2021 to 2022 trade deadline eras. Uh, I think Wandy Peralta, Brett Suter, Brad Hand, uh, Scott Alexander, who does have a Bannister connection. Uh, I think it's uh, Aaron Loop and then Joel. Rodriguez so we'll see who uh, ends up being that mystery lefty and if uh, we can uh, talk about that mystery lefty tomorrow Uh, mystery lefties good band name mystery lefty is a good band name (laughs) all right Uh, we'll end it on that I I don't think there's anything else to add uh, except hit that like button Uh, make sure you are supporting CHGO uh, and you can read Vinny's latest piece about Martin Maldonado up at allchgo.com he also had a piece uh, from Monday Uh, was it Monday no yesterday Uh, two yesterday it was a two for Tuesday it was a two for Tuesday. Uh, Dylan Cease and the report about the Reds' interest in uh, Dylan Cease. You can read both of those pieces, the two for Tuesday, up at allchgo.com. Thank you to Sarah for producing the show. Thank you to everyone for hanging out with us. And we'll be with you tomorrow at 3.30. Talk to you then. Goodbye. Y'all silly like the mayor. 